I want to talk to you this morning about weathering the storm. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 8, I was reminded of this story. And it says, With, Without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. Just an interesting side note here. This is the only place that I find where Jesus was sleeping. Most of the time it says he stayed up all night praying and he was, you know, stayed, he was there and all this other thing. This is the only time he's sleeping. I'm sure the disciples thought, yeah, when we need him, he's sleeping. And so it says um, that the, so that the waves swept over into the boat, but Jesus was asleep. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. He replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up rebuked the wind and the waves, and it was, it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. You know, they were, they were afraid of the storm. And this is an interesting thing in the, in the Greek, just to point out a couple of little side things. Some people like the trivia stuff in the, uh, in the word and what, in the, the original text. It says that they were afraid, they were terrified of the, or afraid of the storm. But this word that it uses later on down here, it says the men were amazed and asked what kind of man is this. In the Greek, it's like that they were really terrified. They were afraid of the storm, but they were terrified of Jesus. You know, they knew that Jesus was, or they had said he was the Messiah. They knew he was a teacher and everything. But when they saw that he spoke to the winds and the waves like this, I mean, it really shook them up. They said, oh, oh man, man, this guy, who is this that that uh, even the winds and the waves obey. As I've looked at this, I've thought, you know, they were in such desperation out there, they needed something to happen. And these weren't just some novice out there. These were some men that uh, were used to being on the Sea of Galilee. They, they made their life fishing. And in the Sea of Galilee there, it sets right in the mountain range. And, and uh, you know, there's, in fact, the, the mountains are so high that they're snow-capped mountains. And so when the wind comes across that, there's a certain time in the evening that the wind will come across there. And as the heat is built up through the day, it'll cause really turbulent storms to come across on the sea. And they knew that. And so, you know, they were pretty aware of it. But all of a sudden, they're caught off guard by this, this storm that comes. And it just really struck me that... Uh, we are aware that certain things happen in our life, that there's trials and tribulations come, and we talk about it, and we say, you know, well, we know that as Christians, difficulties come, but then when it seems like we get hit with a storm, we kind of step, take a step back and say, wow, what happened? Why, why is this happening to me? What's going on? And, and we, we're kind of shocked, and, and then we cry out to the Lord, Lord, save us lest I die, you know, unless this thing kills me. And so we face these things in our life, and if... If you haven't faced a turbulent storm, spiritual storm in your life, some type of a storm, then you will because it's just natural. You know, there's good things about storms. One of the things that we know is, is that uh, summer and the heat is over and this is pulling some of the cool air down and, and it's, uh, it's circulating some things around. So we know that there's always, when you see storms come and you see these hurricanes come, you know that it's helping to bring about and change seasons. I heard the... Dr. Neil Frank, Frank make that statement one time, and I thought, well, I was wondering what the benefits of a hurricane were, but it helps to bring that polar air down and cool us off down here in Texas. Well, the same way in the spiritual realm, when these storms come in our life, you need to know that get ready for a change in season in your life, in your spiritual life. Something's about to change. And get ready for miracles to happen. Get ready for supernatural things to take place. Instead of being afraid and... and so terrified, we need to be excited in a sense 
And James even says to count it all joy when you see these trials of many kinds coming your way because we know that something's going to happen. God's going to show up and supernatural events are going to happen. Now, if we can have that attitude, it's easy to talk about it when we're in here and we're sheltered and everything's dry or when we're away from the difficulties and the challenges, but when we get out there and the storms of life hit us, then it's a little harder to make, to live it out as it is to speak it out. You know, our desperation is God's opportunity. And that's what I've learned through storms. Our desperation is God's opportunity. It's when we are at our wit's end that we most often see God go to work in our lives. He brings us to the end of ourself so that, we can, that he can start and he can start something new. Um, in verse 26, you know, the, the problem there is that uh, before God begins to deal with the situation, he wants to deal with us. Did you notice that they said, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. And he replied, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? He didn't speak to the storm first. He spoke to them. And so th that seems to be, you know, our challenge is, is that before God begins to deal with our situation, with the thing that we think is going to destroy us, he wants to deal with us. He looks to us and he wants to, to sustain us. We want him to fix our complication and he wants to form our character. He's looking at it a whole different way. He's not afraid of winds and waves. He's not afraid of the storms of this life. We want God to change our circumstances, and he wants to change us. And so we just need to get in line with him and, and not be so amazed that the wind and the, and the waves obey his, his voice. We need to obey his voice. As I watched the news, as I was telling you, developed uh, with Hurricane Patricia, they said that it was the strongest storm that's ever been recorded, 200-mile-an-hour winds. And they also said it was the lowest, lowest pressure, uh, I guess, recorded in that particular area. And a couple other things that it was the first time of. In fact, they were even comparing it to tornadoes because of the intensity of the, of the, the wind. You know, but as soon as that old storm hit those mountains across there, it kind of lost its, its uh, fervor, didn't it? And, you know... We need to realize that um, we're living in, in Mount Zion, you know, where the, the king of glory sits. And when the storms come, they hit those mountains, they dissipate. And so when anything comes after us, if we're hit in, in Christ and, and we're in him, you know, we're sheltered in the arms of God. But my spirit was prompted, as I was telling you a while ago, and it seems like that God's radar, as I saw the radar on the screen, it's like I began to kind of see something else. It was like God's radar was sending back signals of turbulence in, uh, in the spiritual arena that was building. So I kind of looked, stood there for a second, like, okay, what's going on? I, I, I don't know if, if you're like that or not, but sometimes I'm a visual person anyway, and, and so I'm wondering, is this me or is this the Lord? And, and I wanted to, you know, wanted to be obedient. And, and then through the night, uh, I saw, as it were, a heavenly radar, you know. And I guess sometimes, you know, we can write this off as a dream or just whatever. Or, um, you know, what was amazing is I would wake up and look around and see what was going on. And, and it was like I saw a heavenly radar screen and just some different things. It was kind of strange. And, and um, you know, that God was saying that he had, he had spoken as, as this year began in the Jewish calendar and on God's seasons and different things, 
that he said that this would be a year of shaking. And he was reminding me of that. And that it's like I heard certain voices and then I would heard, I could see people and various things. And, and you know those little illustrations of where you see these little, uh, they'll draw cartoons and they'll draw a little circle above somebody's head and it's like their thoughts or what they're saying. I could hear a certain statement and I'd see these thoughts coming as well and just groups and kind of different groups of people as God's radar was showing that the storm, the intensity of the spiritual storms were, were coming. And, um, you know, it was like I could just hear in my spirit that the spiritual storms will touch you. Like, okay. It says they will touch you, your family, and this church. And so I began to write some of these things down. And, you know, chances are that you're about to get caught in a storm. Again, this is a year of shaking. Maybe you're already there. The weather is brewing and the water is rising and you can see the trees bending and uh, beginning to bend. For some of you here, uh, maybe you've done everything possible, but, you know, maybe your marriage is, is still uh, just straining and uh, it looks like that it won't stand the test of this storm and you feel like um, that it's just a matter of time. Maybe for you, you bit off more than you can chew and when you agreed to take on an assignment at work and uh, you feel like that there's no way that you can meet that uh, deadline and when the due date comes uh, and you don't produce, well, hmm. And I begin to kind of see these different scenarios playing out and just these little thoughts coming. And I wrote down, um, you've been dreading this meeting all week. They've already laid off several people. Why else would the personnel director need to talk to you? And others I saw that uh, the winds have, have already reached gale force and that uh, you're holding on for dear life. And you know those storm casters that'll be there and they're trying to make that, uh, trying to announce, you know, what's going on in the storm and it's blowing real hard and the wind's blowing them. And they're, they're all strung back. I was kind of seeing that uh, some of you are already in that that position that the, it, the gale winds have already reached their full force there and and I heard uh, these words and I saw those different thoughts ascending heard why why me Lord and then the thoughts the funeral is over and the words of comfort have been politely said now it is just you your memories and your questions of why me in other words, heard words ring out, the test was positive, the tumor is malignant. Then the thoughts, just when you thought the biggest struggle was over, more surgery. Then the words, they took the other bid. That sale was your last hope. To be outbid could mean that you'll have to shut down the shop. That client would have been just enough to keep the business afloat for another quarter. But now what? Waves that suck your joy out to sea. Winds that rip out your hopes by the roots. Rising tides that seem that to seep under the doors of your life and cover the floor of your heart. Storms can hit suddenly, as it said there in, in our story that we read this morning. That it just came suddenly upon them, just a rushing, that violence that comes unexpectedly. And sometimes um, they, it is violent uh, upon us and... Uh, we know that the storms come in various categories or various uh, scenarios. And I heard words like, Mom, Dad, I'm pregnant. And then it's like you could just sense 
that couple, their, their whole world caves, caves in. Then the words, it's about time you wake up. I've been having an affair for six months. I'm not in love with you anymore. And that person's devastated. Then the words, this is the police department. Your son is down here at headquarters on a possessions charge. And the bottom drops out of your heart. I saw a seemingly endless list of miscarriages, divorce, death of a loved one, business failures, re rebellious son or daughter, loss of a job, relationship problems. One woman was being interviewed and said, it's amazing how one day you can be going along smoothly and the next day three words from the doctor's lips, you've got cancer, suddenly changes everything. And I begin to see that the body of Christ, not just us specifically, not just this church, but the body of Christ, we're not exempt from storms. We think, well, that it would come upon the world, but not upon us because, you know, we're, uh, we're in the boat with Jesus. We're in the boat with the Messiah. And, you know, God surely loves him. And, so if he, and surely God will protect him, his son, the Messiah, that he's got a, a job to do. And so if we're with him, then we'll be protected too. And, and yet here we are right smack dab in the middle of God's will with Jesus in our boat and the storm hits us. Storms come in various forms, but the results are similar. You know, we get that empty, sick feeling in the pit of our stomach and you feel hopeless and you feel like your world is caving in. Has ever, anybody ever had one of those storms? And then... I saw kind of just a scroll coming down with Psalm 46, and, uh, and Psalm 46 is about how to weather the storms of life, and I didn't really realize that at the time. I had to look it, look it up, but I began to see that, and um, it's, uh, you know, it, this psalm is for those unexpected events that can cut the hearts of even the stoutest Christian's faith away, you know, if they're, if they're not really secure in the Lord, I mean, you know. And so at Psalm 46, if you want to turn there, I want to read the first 11 verses there. Psalm 46, verse 1, David cries out, he says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging Selah. He says, pause to think about this. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the most high dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And again, he says, Selah, which means think about it. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes war cease to the, to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. And we need to think about it. I began to just see that just kind of scroll together. I had to look it up, and I thought, wow, that is pretty amazing. We can be sure that all of us will face a few major uh, calamities in our life sooner or later, 
And it's really not a question of if, but it's more of a question of, of when. And one thing that we can know from the text that we read here today is that storms will come. Storms will come. In fact, in 1 Peter chapter 4, uh, verse 12, it says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering, as though something strange were happening to you. But we do. We do. But then we could go back to that, that psalm where it says that God is with us. And, and he says that, uh, you know, um, therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. He starts out saying, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in our trouble. And so we need to know those things. And we need to believe those things. We need to trust in those things. You know, there's many, I think, many believers that really don't understand this. And, you know, I, I think that the Lord is trying to, to wake the church up and say that, you know, just the whole face of the earth is, is a shaking is coming. There's storms are coming in different forms and fashions. And we're not exempt. You know, he tell, Jesus told the story about that God causes the rain to fall on the just, the righteous and the unrighteous. He talks about the man that built his house on the rock and the man that built his house on the sand and says when the rains came, the man on the, ho the house on the rock stood firm. But the thing that I always think about is that the rains came on the one that's on the rock and the ones on the sand. So the, the whole key foundation here is to have your life, your house built on the rock because the storms are coming. The storms are coming. They showed, uh, here we are kind of in the middle and they showed the storm that's coming down had been up around Corsicana, and then they showed this front that was coming in from the Gulf, and here comes Hurricane and then Tropical Storm Patricia coming in, and all three of them meet. Did any of you see the, the wind patterns that they were showing even this morning? You got these strange arrows, though. They show these little arrows pointing, and here's some coming here, and then these are coming here and meeting, and then they swirl around, and these are coming up this way. It's a strange thing. I don't know if I've ever seen that happen like that before. Strange thing. And it just reminded me, about the time we think that we've seen it all, about the time we feel like we've gone through storms and we kind of understand storms and we get something a little different. And I say, Lord, will we ever be exempt from the storms? And he says, you live on the coast. <laughs> you live where hurricanes come. Well, in our spiritual life, Lord, will we ever get free from the storms? Not as long as we're here. Now, one day when he calls us home and takes us to to heaven, there'll be no more storms. There'll be no more sorrow. There'll be no more tears. But right now, we live on the coast. <laughs> we're, we're in uh, that hurricane, you know, uh, avenue there in Tornado Alley. So uh, it, it just happens. And the thing is, is that when that happens or when you live there, you just have to be prepared, right? You have to be prepared and have to know that those things happen. Um, you know, the disciples seem shocked that they were in this position. And it seems like a lot of times Christians just become shocked that it's happening to them. Although we see other believers going through certain things, when it happens to us, we almost seem shocked. Because it says there on another uh, telling of this story, because the, the story there is told in Mark's gospel as well, it said that Jesus had been preaching, and it said, then he said, let's go to the other side of the, of the, the lake. And it said they took him as he was, and other boats came along with him. And I thought, they took him as he was? What? What do you mean he took him as he was? I guess so. 
It meant that he had been preaching in that boat, and he didn't even get out of that boat, and it didn't go to get clothes, it didn't go to get food or whatever. He just he laid down in the boat to go to sleep, and they, and they just took off to go to the other side of the of the the lake. And there were other boats around too that were following across. They were going to go see where Jesus was. So there was other things around. Well, they could have looked over and said, "Oh boy, that boat's having a hard time in this storm that's down. That boat's having a hard time too." Boy, I'm glad we got Jesus in our boat. But no, it happened to, to their boat too. Maybe that's why they were so shocked. They probably thought, well, their boats, you know, they got little boats and they should have been following us anyway. We got the Messiah in our boat. They're the ones that got hit and they, got, they were shocked. After, you know, you know, after all, wasn't Jesus with them? Isn't that what we say? Well, Lord, why me? You know, what have I done? Or what have I not done? Again, you know, wouldn't he protect the Messiah? Wouldn't he protect him? I mean, he's in our boat. And, um, you know, sometimes I meet people that have had the, the same feeling of shock when the storm comes into their life. Of just like, you know, what have we done? Why is this happening? Um, didn't I do all the right things? You know, isn't God supposed to watch out for his own? Doesn't he protect those he loves? How can this be happening to me? I just jotted down some of the things that I've heard people tell me. I'm sure that those were the things that were running through the heads of the disciples as well. But again, remember that storms are necessary. And so get ready for a season change. Um, but here I'll tell you one thing that the storm doesn't mean. It does not mean that God does not love you. It does not mean that God is angry with you or that he is paying you back for something. God is not toying with you. James chapter 1, verse 13, it says, God cannot be tempted of evil, neither does he tempt man with evil. So he allows those things to come. And so then I guess the question is, well, why do storms strike? Um, well, I can tell you that some are self-induced. I think I've had some storms in my life that I brought on myself, you know, uh, caused by my own actions or sins or mistakes in my life. And that, uh, you know, God's given us the power of choice. And when we make the wrong choice, a lot of times we pay for it. Sometimes the choices that we make lead to trouble. I don't know, you guys have probably never made any bad choices or anything like that. You've never had any consequences come. The Bible says what you sow, that's what you also reap. Amen. And I, you know, wanted to get out of I'm, I'm reaping some things physically because of how much I used to love to ride motorcycles and do motocross and and that was back before they made the suspensions as good as they make them now. And so when we'd land, uh, my shoulders and hips and things were more of the shock absorbers than what that motorcycle was. And, uh, you know, we'd jump off of things as high as we could find them and swim and, and played basketball, football, and everything we could. And you just get up and shake it off. And they say, you know, if you're not playing with pain, then you're not really playing, you know. Uh, so I made some choices back then, and it wore some some things out in my body that just couldn't handle it, you know, as I got to be older, like 30 and stuff. And <laughs> but, you know, I, I knew a man one time that by his own choice, he smoked two packs of cigarettes a day for over 30 years. And when he got the diagnosis that he had cancer, he said, why me, Lord? And it's like, okay, how did God get the blame out of this? You know, um, you know, as much as it hurts to admit it, the, the truth is that many of our hurts we experience are self-induced and they, they're caused by our own mistakes, our own sins even. But, you know, that's not always the choice. And so just because somebody's going through some difficulties, that 
doesn't mean that, that they have made a bad choice. And another cause for the storms that we face is the bad choices or evil actions of somebody else. On January the 17th, 1989, uh, a 24-year-old Patrick Purdy walked in up to the school that he had attended as a child in Stockton, California, and 300 children were on the playground as he raised an AK-47 assault rifle to his shoulder and opened up fire and spraying 107 bullets at children during a four, minute, four minutes of terror. And when the shooting ended, 30 children were wounded and five were dead. You say, well, why, Lord? What was the choice, the evil choices of somebody else? Sometimes we're there. We're in, we're in the path for some reason. Um, you know, sometimes people ask, why does God allow these, these kind of things to happen? Well, the answer is that, you know, people are free to make choices, and that person's free to make a choice as well. God allows freedom, and sometimes in freedom, things go wrong. But he'd rather extend freedom to us than to make us to be like robots that, you know, that we just gave an, an automated response rather than a, a choice, a responsive choice. But when he chooses to extend freedom to mankind, things go wrong, and, and sometimes it's other people's bad decisions that affect us as well. You know, another cause of storms that we face is the results of living just in a, a sin-corrupted world. This is not the world or this the environment that we were really originally designed to live in. We're not in the Garden of Eden anymore. Sin entered into the world, and, and along with that curse came some things, and, and we're living in a fallen structure, and it's getting worse every day. You know, and in fact, the Bible talks about that even creation groans for the soon appearing of the Lord. We, we're finding diseases now that weren't discovered back then because it's like it's devolving, if you will. It's devolution or de-evolution or devolution, and it's just de-evolving, and, and it's things are, you know, hitting us that, that people maybe used to not face as far as physically or health-wise. Um, you know, the results of Adam's fall in the garden, human, humankind was thrown into just a spiritual chaos and, and spiritual death, if you will, and so it affected everything. The Bible says that even the nature itself has been adversely affected, so we're not designed, our bodies aren't designed to live in this type of, of environment. It's really a foreign environment. But boy, one day, amen, uh, we're going to have a change. These, this old corruptible body, it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 51, this corruptible is going to put on incorruptible. And uh, we're going to rule and reign with him. You know, if there had been no sin, then there would be no famines. There would be no disease. There would be no death. And that's just the way that it is. But so some of the storms are caused just because we live in this, you know, fallen um, environment that we're in and, and health problems and various things. And then some storms are caused by the devil. Not everything's caused by the devil, but many storms are, are caused by the devil. Satan's agenda is stated very plainly in, in John 10.10 where Jesus said the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And so that's the thief's purpose. And there's no doubt that some trials and hardships that we face can be Trace right back to Satan and his, his plan and his agenda. I know that for a fact. But these things that I mentioned, uh, they don't answer really the, the total, they don't, they don't give us a total answer to the reason why tragedy comes into our lives. They don't. The truth is that there are some questions that, that we're going to have that will never be answered until we stand with our Lord Jesus Christ. But uh, you can be sure, though, that uh, 
when the results are in that we will finally see and we finally see the big picture, we're going to know that uh, in God's wisdom and in his love, he cares for us and he loves us and he sees beyond what we see. And, uh, you know, he wants to change us rather maybe than so much more than changing this, the situation. And he'll turn things around to work for our good. As Romans 8.28 says, that all things do work together for our good. God allows storms to come into our life for our good. And so that's what you can write it down. Somehow out of this, I'm going to be strengthened. Something's going to happen. Yeah, I, I jotted a, uh, a little statement down many, many years ago. I think it's on my 21st birth, birthday. I, I read this and I jotted it down. I keep it close, I keep it handy. And I was reminded of it. And the statement is this, all things in our lives can either strengthen or weaken us. We're weakened when they control our thoughts, our goals, and our time. But we're strengthened when they become tools available to help us to achieve another value or priority that God himself expects of us. So it can work for our good when it builds us to be able to accomplish and achieve what, what God has for us. So the, uh, the big question is, is that it's not so much of why or they come or how they form or whatever. The main thing that we need to look at is how can we weather the storms of life? Because storms are going to come. And Psalm 46 begins with David saying, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, uh, though the mountains shake in the heart of, of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble uh, with its turmoil. David is saying, when your world is caving in, look to God. God is our refuge and our strength. This, the word refuge that he's used there means shelter from danger. So God is our shelter from danger. And so here's some things that we need to do to weather the storm. First of all, you need to know that Jesus is with you in the storm. He's in your boat. And if he ain't worried, you don't need to be worried. He found him a little mat somewhere at the back of that boat. Sometimes they say some of the boats would have a little hammock on it. And, and he was laid down in the back of that having, having him a little rest. And he got a little aggravated when they woke him up for him to, take, to calm the storm. You know, when you ask a person who has been a believer for many years, when was the time in your life that you felt closest to God? What I found is almost every time that person will say, well, it was during this particular time when I was going through some kind of a struggle, this, this struggle, this storm in my life, and that out of that experience, they found that God to be their refuge, a shelter from danger. You can trace it back to that. So you need to know that Jesus is with you. He's with you and he's in the storm and know that you're safe in his presence. Um, you know, a lot of times we only have a head knowledge of this. We hear it taught and we agree with it, but it's until you go through that storm and you experience it and you experience his closeness there with you, that's when you really know and you begin to appreciate that. You know, we sing songs about it we, and we hear words talk, uh, taught about it, but until you actually face it and go through the storm, then it's not a reality to you. So not only do we need to know that Jesus is with us in the storm, we need to trust him. David's advice there in Psalm 46 is that we should not shake our fist at God and we shouldn't spend our time asking really, well, why, God, why does this happen? But instead, we should just turn to God, trust him, and seek refuge in him. 
James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. So it kind of covers it. He says, if it's been you, if it's something that you've done, he says, wash your hands of that thing. Um, purify your heart. If you're double-minded, you know, get single-minded, and uh, God's going to lift you up. But one way or another, we need to draw an eye to God. We need to come closer to God, resist the devil, and, the, and he'll flee from us. So whether it's the devil causing it, this world that we're living in, or ourself, or, whatever, or somebody else's actions, we need to trust God that he's with us and that he's going to be our refuge in the midst of this, of this storm. And, you know, out of that whole thing, what I see is this little phrase that I, I remember. It says, when it's futile to struggle, then it's wisdom to yield. I mean, why are we resisting against God? Why are we struggling asking him why and this and that and arguing back and forth and trying to find a way to, to maybe a loophole to present to God and say, I don't have to go through this struggle because of such and such and this and that. All we're doing is we're resisting God there rather than resisting the devil. And so when it's futile to struggle, it's wisdom to, to, to yield to him. And I've kind of got to the place of where I start yielding to him first, you know, and then seeing if, where I've missed it or if somebody else missed it or whatever it is, where, whatever it is, that I worry about the why later. The main thing is, is I need to weather this storm because the storm's here. Get that straightened out first. The third thing that we can do to weather the storm is to draw strength from God's resources. And I found that his resources are faith, fellowship, and courage. Faith that we can, you know, in a, a real faith, fellowship through the true friends. You, it's like that old country song, you find out who your friends are. When your truck's stuck in the mud off over someplace else and it's raining like it is right now and somebody comes out there and helps pull you out of the mud, you find out who your real friends are, right? Or when things are going tough and everybody seems like they bailed out on you, that person that stays close to you, that's who your real friends are. So we draw strength from the resources, yeah, from the faith that we're going to learn through it and from what we've heard and, and the, the things that we've learned through God's word about him and who he is for situations, then we allow that faith to be real faith. Faith without works is dead. So if we've just heard it and we maybe have said it or sung it, it's not real faith yet until it's tested and used, and then, then that's real faith. So we're strengthened through that. We're strengthened through the fellowship of true friends. And then also then we're strengthened through the courage that is expressed through what I call an indomitable spirit. An indomitable spirit. That means an unconquerable spirit. That's the, what we have to have. God told Joshua, be strong and very courageous. Be strong. We, need, we can gain strength from the thought of, look, you know what? I'm going to be strengthening God. I'm going to have the type of spirit that I surrender to God, and he's going to, the, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. And, uh, you know, it's going to quicken, it's going to make alive this body. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. We have such an indomitable spirit that uh, we're not going to allow Satan to put us down. So it means that that's the type of spirit that's unconquerable. It's impossible to subdue or defeat. Satan is not going to defeat me because he can't defeat me. Because I'm yielded to God. I'm trusting in Him. I'm sheltered in His arms. I'm safe in His harbor. You know, you ask, uh, you read about these 
ship captains, when they have to face storms, and that's one thing that they know if they're going to be, you know, journeying across the open ocean, that they're going to face storms, and especially when it's the season for storms. And so what they have to do is learn how to be prepared for it and learn how to, to navigate. And they said, well, the first thing that, that if, if you can do, find that port, find that safe haven, and, you know, get in there. Well, you know, we need to find that safe haven. I think of Acts 27. I've taught it a couple different times. It's been a while since I taught a series on anchors. And, but it said that they were in safe haven there. And they thought that the winds got just about right, so they thought, well, we'll go ahead and go, even though they knew that it was storm season. And they left Fair Haven. Let me tell you something. How many times have you left your Fair Haven and because you thought that it looked, something looked a little better over here? You thought maybe, this, hey, that sounds pretty good. I think I'll try that. Or this sounds good over here. I think I'll try that. And, and this little wind blows. I think I'll follow that little wind. And then all of a sudden when you're out there exposed, that's when, that's when Satan hits you. And uh, that's what happened to them in Acts 27. People, we need to, uh, we need to be, trust in the Lord and then have that type of spirit that says, you know what, Satan, I cannot be defeated because the greater one dwells in me. Acts 27, verse 25, Paul told them in that chapter there about that storm. He says, so keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Paul said, I'm not settling for anything less than what God's prom God promised me. You know, he told Abraham that. He said, Abraham uh, had to wait a little while. And that word really, it, that scripture is talking about Abraham after he had, uh, had uh, waited for a while. said, so then the promise came. Really, in the Greek, it means long-suffering. So after some long-suffering, the promise came to Abraham. Ouch. God's promise is coming to us, and sometimes it's after some long-suffering because it's really worked out through it. Again, God doesn't cause the storm, but he allows the storms. Satan brings them to bring out the worst. God allows it to bring out the best. You've heard me say that many times. You know. Storms help develop compassion. As I look back through the storms that I've had in my life and various times, you know, I used to not really have a lot of compassion, I guess. I mean, I did. I just didn't understand when people would go to the hospital or various things because I had never had anything wrong with me. And about the age of 30, I had to go in and I had a, my, this jaw. They ended up cutting it and, and I had my mouth wired shut and everything. And I, when I went in, I was running you know, three or four miles a day just to, you know, kind of stay in shape a little bit. And so I was in pretty good shape. And um, I went in and, man... They did that surgery, and the next day I was like, my, I'm knocked out. You know, of course, my face, my eyes were black, and my face was all swollen. So I decided to get up and walk the halls. I couldn't, you know, I'd been running every day, and, and just that surgery just knocked me flat, man. As I walked those halls, I thought, my goodness, that little old lady that's 80 years old had surgery, and she can get up, and here I am. Look at me. And, you know, I came in here strong as a horse, and this thing kicked my tail, my goodness, I developed a lot more compassion for people that were going through situations and stuff like that. I think that any time you've gone through a storm, it helps to develop some compassion in you so that when you see somebody else going through that, that you can be there. And that's where that person can be strengthened through that fellowship of true friends and that compassion. Don't ever expect somebody to have compassion if they've never gone through what you're going through, but accept you know, the friendship that they do show and what compassion they can show but you know what? The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 14, it said, God comforts us 
in, in all our trouble so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves have received from God. So we know God's going to comfort us in our troubles so that we can comfort other people when they go through difficult times. So going through the storm helps develop some, some compassion. Storm helps us develop a deeper relationship with others around us, members of the body of Christ. You know, um, sometimes it just kind of, when, when it knocks us down and you're, you're there together, then you develop a friendship. Now, I grew up in, we moved from Oklahoma when I was two to Topeka, Kansas. That's where they, they based the movie The Wizard of Oz about the tornado that took the house away. I mean, that's Tornado Alley through there. And so Kansas is known for tornadoes, so is Oklahoma and all down through there. So I grew up being aware of tornadoes. I experienced my first tornado, but I don't remember. My dad told me about it. That, uh, said that He told me that the devil was trying to kill me then. I was laying in my little baby bed, and a tornado hit our house and blew a... He said he just ran over and grabbed me, and a piece of glass come shooting out of the window, just stuck right in that bed right where I was. My mom used to tell different, different things, different stories. She said... I know God's got his hand on you because the devil's tried to kill you so many times. I said, well, thank you very much. <laughs> I'm supposed to be encouraged. <laughs> you know? But, but in, in tornadoes, you know, you have a thing that's called, we had a cellar. And you go and get into the cellar to get away from the tornado. Now, down here, you wouldn't want to do that because you drowned with the, with the storm surge. But we get in a cellar. And I tell you, you spend, you know, a couple hours in a storm cellar with some people, you become good friends. <laughs> and, and so it's kind of the same way with the storms in our life that when we go through some difficult things and we're there with other people, you become deeper friends with, the, with those people. Another benefit, the third benefit for going through the storm, the storm helps us to develop an inner strength. It really does. You know, I used to be concerned about, well, boy, you know, especially after my mama telling me the devil's trying to kill me. <laughs> Talk about giving you a complex. <laughs> I'm serious. When I was about 20 years old, 21 years old, I worked for Rock Island Railroad, and uh, one of the things I had to do is go down through this, they call it the rip track. It's where they put all the, the wrecked boxcars and various things like that, and had to just check if they set out some new cars in there and get some seals off of them and different things. I was walking down through there about 2 o'clock in the morning, and a wind came blowing through there and blew this door from a boxcar over, and it just came down right about there and hit against the other one. And, man, I took off running. I jumped in my truck, and I was like, man, the devil's trying to get me, and I was so scared. And I, there was times, and it's like the devil knew he had me frightened. And I remember one when I woke up one morning, I thought, I'm tired of this stuff. I'm tired of the devil chasing me around and got me so afraid. And, man, I slammed my hand down on that desk in my, in my house, and I said, devil, I want you to know something. I'm not afraid of you anymore. And I began to speak the word of God into existence, into me, for me to hear it and for exercise. And I hadn't been afraid of that. But, you know, until a couple of years ago in 2013 when I did die three times, you know, I'm not afraid of death. I'd much rather, it's like Paul said, I'd, you know, I'd much rather be there than, than, and, than here. But, you know, we got something to do. And so the devil will try to keep you frightened, but the storms can build an inner strength where you can look back and when you face another storm, it's like, you know what, I'm not worried about this. Yeah, it's pretty challenging. This is a serious thing. But I know in whom I believe, and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep me against that day. 
Boy, Job said, and the greatest verse, I think, in the book of Job is where he says, I know my Redeemer lives. It starts out saying what Job feared came upon him. Be careful what you fear. And then it ends with him saying, I know my Redeemer lives. What a moment to shout when you know that your Redeemer lives and that he lives to, to be a refuge and a help for you. Man. What, what can Satan bring against me? What can this world bring against me? You know, that's, that's what David, when he came to that realization. Uh, you know, Peter says, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10, it says, And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. So you're going to get stronger through this thing after you've suffered a little while. Lord, how long is a little while? Oh, just a day, just a moment or two, just a minute or so. And his time schedule that a day is as a thousand years. I don't, a minute's kind of a long time for us. Well, you know, the question is not, will times of adversity come into your life or my life? The question is, how will you respond? When that, that's the question. And that's what you need to think about today. How are you going to respond when the storms of life come? How will people remember you and your response during that time? Because that's when people see you. You know, that's when it all is made evident how you respond during that time. You know, let God be your refuge and your source of strength. He will help you weather the storm. He really will. You'll be amazed. People say, well, how can you be so calm? Because Jesus is in my boat. <laughs> Don't be like the disciples. And it's, boy, wouldn't you hate to have been one of the disciples? I mean, your whole life just written for, for centuries for people like us to read and go back and say, oh, man, look at those guys, those wimps. They're all nervous. But yet we do the same thing. Remember that our desperation is God's opportunity. You never get a miracle until you need a miracle. It's when we are at our wit's end that we most often see God go to work for us. So when we're as far as we've gone, that's when God kicks in and does what we cannot do. That's when, he, when the doctors have gone and done all that they can do, that's where God takes up and does what they cannot do. I love it when, when they say, well, we don't know what else to do. Great. Get ready for an idea or either get out of the way because God's going to do it. The problem is that before God begins to deal with our situation, or the problem for us, I guess, it's really not a problem, but our, the problem for us is before God begins to deal with our situation, he wants to deal with us. So the first thing that we should do is come to him and present ourselves to him and say, okay, God, deal with me. You straighten me out before we worry about this storm. Get me straight, and we'll get through this storm. You know, don't be in such a hurry for God to fix your complication Allow him to fix your character. We want him to, to change our circumstances, but we don't know if we really want him to change us. Well, that's what we need to get. Get ready for change. So when the storm comes, get ready for change. Seasons are changing. Get ready for him to change you. Let's pray together. If you're here this morning and you feel like that you're going through a storm, while nobody's looking around, I just want you to raise your hand to God, to the Lord today, and you say, Father.